small Christian school in central Wisconsin for elementary and junior high. And when we, when me and my brothers first went to that school, my parents got really connected into it, and we, they really enjoyed a lot of the people that they got to connect with. It was a lot of fun. Um, but slowly, as they, as we stayed with the school for a longer period of time, we started to realize that there were some cultural things inside the school that were a little different. There were some things that we would talk about and do at home that we couldn't necessarily do at school. Uh, me and my brothers were really big into history, and we loved military history specifically. And um, so one day I was in study halls. It was when I was in fifth or sixth grade, I think. And I was passing a note to a friend. Um, he was a little older than me. And in the note, we decided to start talking about um, medieval history. So we started talking about swords and knights and horses and all that stuff. And we, we loved it. We were having a great time talking about it. And I left study hall feeling like I didn't finish any of my homework, but I had a great time there, right? So the next day, I, w- I wasn't thinking about it at all. And... Um, one of the teachers walked up to me and he said, Ian, hey, I, I found this note um, that was on the floor that was between you and you and this, this kid. I, I, you know, I read it and you just, you guys probably shouldn't be passing notes. And I was like, oh, okay, all right, that's fine. I'm, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do anything wrong. But um, the note ended up in the principal's office and the principal ended up calling me into her office and um, telling me that she was going to call my parents about some of the things that were written in the in the note. And I didn't think anything was wrong with the note, so I went home and I was just I was so scared. My parents were going to find out that I've been passing notes and it was going to just be horrible, so I was just I was terrified. Um, but my parents came home and they really explained to me that there were some things that at school we could talk about and some things at church that were at um, home that we couldn't talk about. There was this second code that wasn't necessarily um, wasn't necessarily straight from the Bible. It was just a code that people had made inside of um, the school that they they were they were following this second law. Um, and yesterday, I even realized that I kind of still buy into this. We all kind of have our own Christian culture. Um, I was at a, a, a funeral service, and one of the gentlemen walked up to me at, um, from the funeral service and. At first, when he started talking to me, I, I immediately judged him because of the way that he talked. And I was like, well, this guy, there's no way that this guy's a Christian. But the more that I talked to him, the more I realized that if you look past the language and, and the exterior, there was really a really solid Christian inside. But because of the way that he talked, I at first just dismissed him as not being Christian. So there's this, there's this idea of legalism, this idea of a culture where we choose a law unto ourselves that isn't necessarily biblical, that we, that we um, grab and run with. And that's, that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about, um, well, we're talking about the Galatians. So we're going we're gonna to dive in. Galatians 5, verse 16. Let me, let me read this. Um, I'm reading out of the... Um, NASB, so if it sounds a little weird, that's probably why. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For those are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do uh, the things that you please. But if you are led 
by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. So Paul is writing in the first century to the church in Galatia. And inside of the church of Galatia, there were a couple of factions that had um, formed. One of the main factions was known as the Judaizers. And the Judaizers were a group of Jews um, who had converted to Christianity. But when they converted to Christianity, they said to the other Christians, Hey, you can be a Christian by believing in Jesus, but you also have to do this and this and this and this and this and this and this. All these different things that were part of the old Jewish law. And lots of the things that they asked the the uh, new Christians to do were, they were part of the sun-dried law. They were part of the Pharisees' um, separate law that had been, it was more of an oral tradition than an actual um, law that comes straight out of the Bible. So Paul, in most of the book of Galatians, is writing to Christians saying, hey, you need to stop pushing yourself towards these Jewish ideals and instead go in a different direction. He calls them to walk in the Spirit and not under the law. Um, in, in Earlier in chapter 5, he talks about freedom. He talks about um, license inside of legalism rather than legalism as they called it. Um, we are called to a freedom rather than following a straight strict set of rules. C.S. Lewis defined legalism this way. One of the marks of a certain type of bad man is that he cannot give up a thing himself without wanting everyone else to give it up. That is not the Christian way. An individual Christian may see fit to give up all sorts of things for special reasons, marriage or meat or beer or the cinema, but the moment he starts saying the things that are bad in themselves or looking down his nose at other people who do use them, he has taken the wrong turning. So lots of times in legalism we like to say things like, well, this is bad in general, and here's why. And we like to say that's straight from the Bible, that it's bad. Um, I have a friend who only listens to Christian music. That's all they listen to. Um, Which is fine. That's fine that he listens to only Christian music. But if he starts saying that everyone has to listen to only Christian music, that's legalism. I had a professor in college who, great man, but um, one of the things that he loved to talk about is redemption. Um, in the first century, there was this idea that started growing in the church called stealing from the Egyptians. Stealing from the Egyptians comes from um, when they were leaving Egypt, when Israel was leaving Egypt after Moses, you know, ten plagues, Passover, all that. Um, as they were leaving Egypt, all the Egyptians were giving them all this gold and money and saying, get out, if you stay here, the all of us are going to die, so you need to leave right now. So as they're leaving, they're giving them idols, and they're giving them tons of gold and metal, 
All that stuff, all the pagan statues, all the stuff they get, do you know where that goes? That goes straight into the temple, right? The Israelites take all of that, melt it down, and turn it into the vessels that become part of part of the, the temple, the place where God dwelled inside of Israel. And so he, my professor, used to talk about the fact that we need to steal from the Egyptians. We need to take things, redeem them, and take them for our own. But he did this on a personal level. He would take specific songs, and he would talk about the fact that some songs um, he would grab, and he would take and think about them in the context of Christ. Um, it, wa- it wasn't, it isn't on a level that it is, um, that everyone can do this with every single thing. Some people have different limitations that other people don't, and everyone has their own sins and stumbling blocks. In Galatians 5 here, we see that as it starts, it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the deeds of the flesh. For flesh sets its, against, its desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. This language is really close to that of John 15. Um, if you turn there quick, it's verse 5 of John 15 that I'm starting in. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. We need the Spirit, and we need the freedom of the Spirit, rather than the um, the direct uh, limitations of the law. Habitual behaviors are outworkings of inner states of beings. So this passage it has two lists of of activities, right? You have the deeds of the flesh, and you have the deeds of the Spirit. The deeds of the flesh we see are in verse. Um, it, it starts in verse 19. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. I want to pause on sorcery for a second. So when I read sorcery, I always think of magic, right? That's always what I think of. This word sorcery comes from the word, the Greek word pharmaheia. And pharmaheia is where we get the word pharmacy, all right? So this word is directly connected to drugs, specifically mind-altering drugs. Some of the Galatians, in some of their rituals, they would use um, different drugs and, and alcohols to really change their state of mind, change their state of being. And so it's not just the, the, the sorcery and that kind of thing, but it's also the things that we use to escape and run from reality. Um, we also see in this passage that most of the, or in this verse, most of these things are interpersonal. There, there's factions, jealousy, hatred. It's all the things that we do to each other. If we follow the flesh, if we try to do the law, right, if we try and follow it, are we going to be able to do it? No, we can't do it. And so what ends up happening is we end up hurting those around us if we do that. On the other hand, we have the fruit of the Spirit. Verse 21 is a very interesting verse if we look just um, just before the fruit of the Spirit. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip the first, uh, first clause. Um, 
of which I forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I used to read those verses, and I used to be extremely scared by them, right? I read that verse, and I'd be like, wow, if I do any of these things, I'm not going to be going to heaven. I'm going to be going to hell. But then I kind of realized that there's a little more going on here. What is this verse actually talking about? It's talking about people who live a lifestyle that is continually in doing these actions, right? If they're continually in a um, in an immoral, living an immoral lifestyle, that means that there's something wrong inside, and that's what that's what this passage is really saying. If you follow the flesh, you will do the things of the flesh. If you follow the spirit, you will do the things of the spirit. Um, Tim, Tim Keller ha- he recently did an article on or a uh, sermon series on the Holy Spirit. And part of what he did is he grabbed um, the Greek words and he defined them. And I'm just going to read a couple of these because I thought they were pretty cool. So he has joy, which is the Greek word chara. The definition is delight in God and his salvation for sheer beauty and worth of who he is. The opposite of this is hopelessness and despair. The counterfeit of this is elation that comes with blessing, not the blesser. Mood swings based on circumstances. Irene, peace. Definition, confidence and rest in wisdom and sovereignty of God more than your own. Opposite, anxiety and worry. Counterfeit, indifference, apathy, not caring about something. The statement, I don't care. And finally, um, the one that I thought was really interesting was Pratis. So that's gentleness. Um, he defines it as humility, self-forgetfulness. The opposite is superiority, self-absorption, self-aggrandizement. Great word. But, um, <clears throat> but you can see that on one side, if you, follow the fr- if you follow the flesh, if you follow the law, you're going to be trying to do everything in the flesh. And all that is going to do is going to destroy the relationships you have and is going to embitter yourself towards other people. If you follow the Spirit, if you empower the Spirit, you're going to do the fruits of the Spirit. And that's going to empower your relationships. Um, I I love, if you guys get a chance, take a look at Tim Keller's whole list because it's pretty cool. But finally... Embrace the conflict. Embrace the conflict. Spirit versus flesh, all right? You are a battlefield, and you need to embrace the fact that you're a battlefield. Understand that you're a pawn in a larger game, but we can live in victory. As it says in, in the, at the end of the passage, verse 24, Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. That's a continual motion. Let's continue walking in the Spirit. Um, I wanted to give you my, my big three for spiritual warfare, right? Lots of times we like to talk about spiritual warfare, and we talk about, <clears throat> we talk about demons, we talk about devil. But do you know who your biggest enemy is inside of spiritual warfare? It's yourself. You're your own worst enemy. That's how it always has been, and it always will be. But the big three, number one, <clears throat> contact HQ, all right? Pray, listen and speak to God. Read your Bible, 
pray continuously. If you get cut off from your power source, from the place where you gain ammunition, where you gain troops, where you gain empowerment, if you aren't talking to God, if you aren't reading your Bible, how long are you going to last in this fight? Because that's what it is. It's a fight. You're not going to. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 tells us to pray without ceasing. Continually pray. Continually pray. Um, number two, contact, con- connect with comrades. I'm sorry. Don't go it alone. You can't go it alone. <clears throat> um, Ephesians 6, right? We talk about the armor of God. In Ephesians 6, it talks about a Roman soldier. That's what the image is. Lots of times when we read Ephesians 6, we like to talk about the single pieces that are there. But there's a bigger picture, too. Roman soldiers didn't fight on their own. They always fought together. Um, Their shields locked together. Their swords went in between their shields. That is how we are to fight. We're not supposed to do it alone. So get accountability. Get a good network of relationships. If you're having trouble getting a network of relationships, you're in the right place. This church is all about connections and relationships. So stay afterwards. Come and get coffee. um, Do men's breakfast, whatever, but connect. Um, And finally, cut off enemy supply lines. I'm going to briefly go to Matthew 5, um, 29. So this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, but I think it's, it's a really, really interesting verse. It's one that I think people take in, in a direction that isn't necessarily the greatest. But If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you, for it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you, for it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. So lots of people have gone to this verse and they said, well, obviously the church says that it's okay to self-mutilate. It's totally fine. It says it right there. That's not what it's saying. What it's saying is that it would be way better for you to lose one portion of yourself than to lose all of yourself. Um, so districts is a great, uh, youth conference that we go to every year. And this year, um, there were only a couple guys in, in our cabin, but I got to talk to them. Um, on, it's always Saturday night is always the most intense because everyone's tired and everyone's like, I, we don't really know what to do. And there's been this great, um, Christian influence. You're at a really, you're at a really mountaintop or really, you're at the summit, you're at a high point. And, um, I, I talked to the guys and I asked them, what is, what is the thing that is standing between you and spiritual development? What's standing between you going from where you are to the next level spiritually? And every single one of the guys said, their phones. And the reason that their phones are in the way, are their phones bad? No. Their phones are a tool like anything else. But if you misuse a tool, if that tool becomes the master rather than the tool, then that's bad. They said that they um, they have a hard time reading their Bibles because when they do a quiet time, they have their phone right there, and it's buzzing, and it's sending them stuff, and that's what they're doing. But that's for all of us. What is your phone? What is the thing that is standing between you and your next level spiritually? What is standing between you empowering the spirit rather than empowering the flesh? So often we read the, the fruit of the spirit, 
and we we read them and we get to a point where we're like, oh, well, I need to work on this one and this one and this one and this one. That's not the point of the passage. All right? Galatians 5, where, where we just were at. What it's saying is, all right, are you empowering the flesh? Are you empowering the spirit? If you empower the spirit, if you're over here, then you're going to do the fruit of the spirit. If you empower the flesh, that's what you're going to empower. If you try and do the fruit of the Spirit on your own, without the Spirit, you are not going to be able to do it. You are going to end up doing the fruit of the flesh rather than the fruit of the Spirit. Um, I remember as a kid, I used to get told, oh, you're, you're super impatient. You need to work on your patience. And sure, it's something that I need to work on. But what I really needed to do was sit down and read my Bible and pray and do the hard work and the disciplines that get you to the point where that's when you can start saying, okay, what do I need to work on? So in conclusion, um, my three points, walk, walk in the Spirit, not under the law. It's not about the law. It's about what, what is the Spirit doing. Number two, our habitual behaviors are outworkings of our inner states of being. Where are we at? And finally, embrace the conflict, the Spirit versus the flesh. Um, Yeah, embrace the conflict. It's important that you realize that there's a war going on inside of you. And if you don't know that, then I think you need to take a really hard look at where, what kind of fruit are you producing. Because if you you are in that war, if you do have that spirit, if you are empowering it, you're going to know that there's a conflict inside of you. Let's pray. Dear Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for our time together. I ask that you help us to empower your spirit inside of us, Lord. Help us to submit to it. Help us to be led by it. And help us to carry out the fruit of the spirit because of that, Lord. We um, just thank you again for the opportunity and ask your blessing on the rest of the day.